Hey, I'm JR. And I'm Mike from the 18 Over Par with Mike and JR podcast. Welcome to season three of the pod, where we'll continue exploring the sights, stories, and sounds of golf on the prairies, where you'll find some of the most golf courses per capita of anywhere in the world and beer. Lots of beer. Lots of beer, JR. It's the 18 Over Par Podcast with Mike and JR. You suck, you duckass. Welcome to 18 Over Par with Mike and JR, proudly presented by Bryce Matlashewski, who is an investment advisor with Endeavor Wealth Management, part of IA Private Wealth, and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund. You can contact Bryce at 204-515-3446. I'm JR, he's Mike, and today we're joined by the pride of St. Adolph, Manitoba, Brendan Baldwin. He played collegiate golf in Illinois and has worked around the province from Granite Hills to Old Drover's Run to his current home as assistant pro at Southwood Golf and Country Club. Well, look where we found ourselves again there, Mike. Uh, we are in the boardroom at Southwood. Mm-hmm. Second time this season. Studio S. Studio S. I'm not sure if that's what we called it last time, but that's what we'll call it this time. We should make a list, maybe a spreadsheet of all the studios that we record in. It's become a lot now. I like it, though. Yeah. Especially this one, because we got some delicious beer that we are drinking. What is this lager here, Brendan, that we're drinking? So we have the Southwood Lager. Uh, It's an original 16 lager that uh, Southwood, Southwood so graciously put their name on. Um, yeah, it's been a p- fan favorite for the last year or so since we got our new kegs and everything installed and it's, uh, quite delicious. Sure is. Yeah. We appreciate the hospitality mm-hmm. as always. And Mike even got to go in the men's locker room and use the loo. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Yeah. It was nice. I know, uh, I haven't been in a lot of men's locker rooms. I don't hang out in men's locker rooms. Like more of a ladies locker room. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> this is going south wood already. Um, but it was nice. I did almost get lost in there, and uh, but there were plenty of um, amenities in there, like uh, nice colognes and sunscreen I saw, which was, I would like that as a fair-skinned fella who always burns in the sun. So lots of amenities here in the men's locker room at <laughs> Southwood. But yeah, no, the beer is delicious. Very, uh, It's quaffable. Have a look that up. That's the word of the month for me. I was going to say, can you use it in a sentence? What's the language of origin on that one? <laughs> English. <laughs> this Southwood lager is quaffable. <laughs> Maybe next time we we record at Studio S, you'll bring your Ziploc bag so you can take some sunscreen with you, some colognes. Oh, I did. Yeah, no, I brought, I brought like one of the one liter Ziploc bags. And, uh, <laughs> just there at the hand pump, just yeah. filling it up. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> We will carry on. Uh, it's a uh, beautiful weather outside, but we're inside enjoying, again, the hospitality. And we want to give a huge shout out to Bryce Malachewski, who is an investment advisor with Endeavor Wealth Management, part of IA Private Wealth and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund. You can contact Bryce at 
We also have all of his info in our link tree. So you just go to our social medias in our bios. You punch that mm-hmm. and this whole link tree comes out. Well, that's amazing. How about this? I actually looked at the oh link tree. <laughs> I hadn't For looked once. at it. It's a pretty, pretty amazing link tree. One yeah, of the nice. best link trees I've seen. I did see there was an option to give us a tip. Yes. Uh, not a golf tip, but a, a monetary tip. You can. So uh, fill our pockets with money because... <laughs> Because we need it. <laughs> it's a good cause. Well, maybe after we, we get a few audio ex- instruction, golf instructions here from Brendan, we might be making some more money out on the golf course. But first oh, yeah. and foremost, uh, before we get into the, the whole fun things, we want to really know how you ended up in this game of golf. Yeah, so I started out uh, pretty young. I was three or four years old. Uh, my grandfather wasn't a golf professional or anything, but him and my grandmother were part of the original buying group uh, or owners group at Southside. Mm. Um, so they were highly involved there. My grandmother worked there and did a uh, large portion of the uh, accounting and stuff like that. Um, so when I was really young, uh, my grandpa would teach clinics in the morning. So I'd kind of just go hang out and watch some of those clinics. And then we'd get out and play golf in the afternoon. Uh, wait for grandma to be done working and stuff like that. And then they would uh, usually treat me to a nice dinner, uh, usually chicken fingers and fries or a hot dog. Um, enjoy that afterwards. And uh, yeah, so usually every weekend from that age, I would go out and uh, I'm the oldest. Um, so as my younger siblings started getting older, I got to take advantage of having them come out and do the same thing. Um, and then I got to participate in some of those clinics and instead of just watching. Um, so I was lucky in that aspect. I got involved really young. In the recent pods, you had Pat Perrin on. Mm-hmm, yeah. uh, he was a Oakwood member, right. uh, as was myself. Nice. Uh, we were the only two junior members at Oakwood for wow. quite a while. <laughs> uh, my grandparents were members out there and um, they lived just down the road. So uh, basically by the time I was eight or nine, uh, I would spend weekends with them Thursday to Sunday and get up first thing in the morning and play golf. And once uh, there was, I remember one or two years where they finally had like a junior opening and it was just me and Pat and they wouldn't <laughs> let us take carts. We had to walk and uh, we just followed the, the men's and ladies opening. But uh, basically it was just the two of us competing for basically chicken fingers. It wasn't, uh, wasn't anything fancy, but um, yeah, just good experience with my grandfather being involved heavily with the game. Uh, my father was involved with it as well. Um, basically grew up just on the weekends playing early in the morning and then uh, getting back home and so both of my grandfather and, and father got very into it very young. Mm-hmm. Oh, that is impressive. Yeah, just to see, we're starting to see the origins of golf here in Manitoba and now having you know, your grandfather and grandmother being part of that group for Southside. Hey, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't think we can say that, Mike, that we've ever had origins somewhere. Maybe you are linked to St. Andrews in some weird, crazy way. I don't think so. Not at all. <laughs> we can start a rumor now. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, no way to fact uh, check no, that. No oh, golf origins in my family. Yeah. Yeah. Let's I see. I fact Smith. checked it. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Smith in there somewhere. It's probably. Yeah. <laughs> there has to be. Did you get a like hand-me-down set of clubs or was it just like cut down from your grandfather or father? Yeah. So that was the, the big positive is like the main part that my grandfather was involved with at Southside. Uh, he did a lot of instruction clinics and stuff like that, helping out Tracy Kibsey. Um, but a lot of his stuff there was club building. So he did a lot of club oh, wow. repair and club building. Um, so I was lucky enough that he had an account through Golf Pride and they sold like tiny, tiny junior kids mm. stuff before U.S. Kids was a thing. 
So I actually had a, a proper built set. Um, and then I remember I was maybe around six or seven and I got my first U S kids set. Um, nice. I was able to start playing with those and, um, that was good. Like it's still a really good program now. Like kids can trade up from set to set. So if you start out in like a 34 inch for a really young, uh, junior just getting into the game, they can progressively get into larger and larger sets as it goes on and they have a trade in or a buyback program. So you're not having to worry about like hockey where you're buying new skates every year and you're spending a couple hundred bucks per year this way. It's, it's a lot more affordable and economical and you can trade in your last set and purchase a new one. Um, and, Mm. uh, yeah, most of it's done through clubs themselves. Uh, they do have a website and stuff like that, but, uh, I was lucky enough to do that program and, uh, made it all the way up until I was probably about 10 or 11 and, um, I've always been a a bigger kid. So I started caving in faces of drivers and (laughs) and it was, uh, it was time to put away the U S kids and uh, get into something a little different. So, um, when I left Oakwood and transitioned as a member at the old Southwood, I went into having actual clubs and not, uh, the U S kids stuff. So that was more so just my grandpa building another set. I think they were called like CP two or CPR two or something Mm. from golf pride. And, uh, it was a full iron set. And then I just had, uh, like a softer reg shaft in, uh, in a regular driver and, and went. So no more caved in faces, no more caved in faces (laughs) that stopped, uh, pretty quick. And especially once they were full price again, my parents weren't super happy with me messing around on the range to cave in drivers. So well, I was going to actually ask about that because my sister Mm -hmm. asked about my nephew and I got him some cut down adult clubs last year, but he was, he's three and a half. So he's just, just to get him swinging. But I, I had read that that could be detrimental to a, a young player's development if they're using club heads that are way too heavy for them. So Yeah, it makes it uh, a little harder. Like the biggest thing with young juniors is they're getting into the game is trying to create a swing. Um, so as we all know, like everyone has bad habits. Everyone has stuff that kind of approaches into their game uh, that causes some irregularities with their swing or their ball flight, stuff like that. And uh, a lot of people that ask for lessons for young juniors mm-hmm. Uh, biggest thing is just let them swing. It doesn't matter when they're extremely young, how they're standing, how they're holding the club, let them just grab it and swing, let them build that swing. Um, cause we can worry about everything else after once the ball's airborne, we can change the way they're directionally pointing them, their body and the way they're holding the club face and stuff like that with their hands and kind of just super simple. Just give them a club that's light enough for them to swing mm-hmm. where they can start to create some speed with it. It's not the actual club just falling down. Right. Um, because uh, ideally the majority of golfers have that out to in path where they're creating that bit of that slice tendency. So the heavier that club is, that junior's not going to be able to swing it and get the club head going out towards the ball. Right. It's just going to chop the golf ball every time. Mm. So something that's really light for them to swing allows them to start create that little bit of that rhythm and the way to get the, the club head out towards the ball instead of just chopping at it. And that's and where that's where my slice started. Yeah, now we know. We know the origins of Thanks all Thanks a lot, Mom and Dad. Just, just another way to blame it on something else. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we'll find any excuse that we can. <laughs> but we're trying. I mean, even, even with this learning throughout this podcast and even having worked in the industry myself, just how important fitting is, but not really knowing that as a junior. Because, yeah, like Mike said, the first thought is, oh, well, here's some you know clubs from the shed. We'll just cut them down and throw something on there and I'll get out there and play. So are you teaching your child or soon to be children, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So I do have another one on the way due in, uh, in August. My daughter isn't super into call it listening. Um, (laughs) 
the nicest way to put it. She, uh, she'd much rather chase our dogs with them. Um, I have brought her out a couple times and, uh, she's, she's decent. She can, uh, understand like when it's time to hit the ball and when it's not time to hit the ball. That's good. Um, but, uh, yeah, like I've got her a set of the really small U S kids clubs just comes with three clubs in it. Uh, really affordable. I think they're like 180 bucks or something like that. So it mm-hmm. comes with a bag and everything. She's happy cause it's pink. And, uh, the only downside is I assumed cause she was, my daughter that she'd be left-handed she is not oh she is right-handed so now i'll be buying another set <laughs> well i might i and might then, take that yeah. left off you because my daughter she's she swings left perfect yeah yeah so now i'm hoping that uh at least if i put a right-handed club in her hand it'll feel a little more comfortable and mm-hmm. she can be a little more productive yeah she likes it she enjoys it we go in the backyard and she likes to whack it around for three or four attempts and then she'll start chasing the dogs. So yeah, <laughs> but at least it's there. She tries. No, it's be like us out there chasing the ducks here <laughs> at South with a uh, seventh green. Is that? Yeah. Seventh. Yeah. Those are the, the attempt at uh, getting the geese off the course and they seem to just make friends and yes. hang out a little longer. So <laughs> yeah. Interesting goose story. I don't know what it is, but it seems like every year they keep on coming here a bit earlier and so we were out uh, playing mini golf and sure enough, geese were fighting. And so they actually came towards us because they're trying to scare one of the geese that wasn't supposed to be there. And of course they chased it right into us. So now my daughter is scarred for life. And so of course this morning when I take her to daycare, there were some geese and she didn't want to go inside. And then when she got there, she wanted to make sure we closed the door as fast as possible because <laughs> she didn't want the geese to get inside. So oh, that's, uh, that's understandable. That's where it starts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? With bad swings. And the fear of chasing you. the fear of yeah. geese. Yeah. <laughs> I was at this is this is totally off topic, but I was at Assiniboine Park on mm-hmm. Saturday at the cargo bar. And check out that if you've never been to the cargo bar. But there's lots of geese on the on the grass there, and there was a group of these kids under eight years old chasing the geese and their parents i don't know where their parents were i was like don't chase the yeah. geese they're like, just hired there to get them get rid of them <laughs> they Come on out. yeah i, I mean these geese can get pretty aggressive i mean uh i don't know and then they were like running around the pond and uh uh, it didn't seem like a good idea. We were just waiting for one of these geese to to attack the children. In which case, we would have jumped in. But uh, <laughs> sure, for sure, surely you dropped your drink we, and been like, ah, we would have videoed it. We would have videoed it for First. a bit. But anyways, I didn't realize how long their tongues are because one of them was coming at us. They got big ass tongues. I did not realize that. Oh, wow. Yeah, and now I know more anatomy of a goose than I want to. We'll have to, to uh, yeah. have to get a wildlife specialist on. <laughs> This season. Anyways. Be like late night TV. Just bring in the sloth. <laughs> bring in the sloth next. All right. Well, we talked about a little bit about clubs. But what are you rocking right now in your bag? I know you switched from last year. Is that, that correct? Yeah. So I used to be a, a Titleist staff member, uh, mm-hmm. and now I've switched to uh, TaylorMade. Um, shout out to Eric Johnston, who's oh, yeah. put a lot of effort into getting me to switch. And um, it's been great. Everything's been been good so far. Um, just need them to come up with a beautiful blade putter so I can start making some putts <laughs> instead of missing everything with my spiders. So, um, but I, I've heard that's in the works. So hopefully okay. that's coming down the line. And yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Should be good fit. Well, I've been seeing some stuff and maybe this is pertinent that you just mentioned it. But the differences in blades, mallets, and whatever else. I didn't Mid mallets. Yeah, like what really is the difference? Does it depend on your putting stroke 
or just, I guess, feel at the end of the day? Yeah. So a lot of it kind of goes down to like for myself when I do like a putter fitting or, or start talking putters with someone is, uh, to my, in my opinion, most important thing is their sight line, what they're going to line the putter up with. Uh, cause whether or not as an amateur golfer, the real question is, is your putting stroke repeatable? Are you doing the same putting stroke every single time? Most people that answer is probably no, mm-hmm. unless they're out there practicing constantly and uh, laying the towel on the ground and standing on it like the tour players do. Their putting stroke probably isn't the same each time. So then the most common denominator and the thing they're doing each time is their address position with how they're actually lining the golf ball up mm-hmm. with that club face. Um, so sight line and what the putter looks like from the top, how they're able to manipulate that open and close to make sure that they're aligned properly is, my, in my opinion, the most important part. Then moving into kind of a idea of how their pace wants to be. Are they someone that likes the putter to take most of the weight and have a bigger stroke or do they like to have a shorter stroke and really pop the ball off the face? Uh, kind of dictates what we're going to for weight wise. Uh, and then finally what their stroke is like, if there's lots of arc in their stroke, uh, if there's very little arc in their stroke, what they like their hands to do in the, in the putting stroke um, kind of dictates what we're going to for, for actual putter type. Um, and that's why a lot of companies have been really successful with the tine version of a putter. So it's kind of like the blade and mallet kind of had a baby, I guess you could say, uh, they cut out the middle part of that putter. So there's a tine and, uh, it just allows the, the weight to still feel there, but not have quite as much of a straight back, straight through face balance style putter as a mallet. Wow. And it's t- What would be an example of the tines? Like, uh, so like Ping makes a tine. Um, Callaway makes a. Oh, Steeper's gonna be mad if I mess. Actually, Tyler will be mad. But uh, <laughs> TK, I apologize. I think it's a seven. I think it's the uh, either the white hot seven or the tri hot seven uh, is the tine. I'm not as well versed mm. in the uh, the Callaway product as I maybe should be, <laughs> but we have two Callaway staffers that take care of that. So and this was Scotty. That'd be like the Phantom. Phantom five and a half right. uh, would typically be what the Scotty is, and then um, TaylorMade has the GT as well that has that tine version. And so the more straight and back um, putting swing would be mallet, and then a more of an arc would be blade. Yeah, so an arc putting stroke, like the the old fashioned, like a little yellow uh, training aid that people have seen before, where you rest your putter on it and you make that putting stroke. Mm-hmm. That's the arc. So that's your putter head basically opening and closing throughout the putting stroke. Um, so obviously, with the more weight in the mallet, the putter can't open and close in the same dynamic as with a, a blade putter. So the mallet keeps everything a little square, straight back, straight through. Um, most amateurs, in my opinion, would use a mallet in the sense that they like the weight better. It's easier for them to pace the golf ball towards the hole. Mm -hmm. They don't have to hit it as hard. Uh, It's easier for them in their minds to basically just go, okay, I go back just past my left foot. I go past my right foot and that's my putting stroke. That's how far this ball rolls. And then they can increase that bigger and bigger and bigger for the longer putt they have instead of them having the actual feel to be able to take the putter back to a certain spot and then hit it a little harder for longer putts and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, geez, I didn't yeah. thought. And here I just bought my putter based on looks and just uh, bought the first one I saw on the internet. <laughs> That's but. the most important part because you have to look down at it the whole time. So <laughs> if you feel confident with it, you're going to putt confident with it. Hey, so. there we go. I'm learning to hit it. I played here. Well, we don't want to get into that. Well, maybe we will. Yeah, but no, we're, we're here. I had Let's no, I had no three putts. Uh, I played here two, two and a half weeks ago, and I had no three putts. So I was. Yeah. That's a that's a win. We actually played a game on uh, Saturday morning. My wife wasn't super happy, but I took. I was off for Mother's Day, uh, weekend. And I played golf Saturday morning, so um, <laughs> she went to Pine Ridge Hollow. So it was all okay, but. Um, <laughs> We played snake. So we have like a, basically like a ball marker 
and uh, all the guys in the group, whoever three putts takes the ball marker and they hold in their pocket. And the first time you see the beverage cart, whoever has Mm. that coin has to buy the first round. Oh, I like it. Um, I read this like on Instagram. Yeah. uh, Just, yeah, a week ago I screenshot it and sounds sounds pretty fun. It's just fun in the sense that like for me, for example, like we played the entire front nine. I had no three putts. Uh, We get to the eighth hole and I had like a tiny little tap in. And uh, instead of like taking the extra second to like do it. It was probably like 16 inches and I just walked up and just tapped with one hand and it lipped out. Ooh. Well, the guys in my group obviously <laughs> like, Hey, we're playing snake. Like you can't pick that up. Right. Whereas normally I would just scoop it and walk on right. and pretend that those never miss. But I ended up getting the little coin and sure enough, we get up to the T box on nine and we can see the cart girl driving behind the green. And I'm just like, that's it. I, I got the first round. There's no, there's no nice. green between us and her right now. So <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. And then, and then at the end of the round, I guess whoever still has it, they would they buy would the round and buy the round. So, wow. Yeah. So we ended up, the worst part is we ended up seeing her twice. Mm. Uh, both times I had three putted the hole before Come on. and both times very much the same thing. It was just a tiny little putt and I'm like, okay, I'll just tap it in. And then I had your buddies probably text her and said, yeah. Hey, yeah. Hey, Baldy's, uh, Baldy's got the snake coin uh, yeah. come around now. Yeah. So it was nice. I didn't have it at the 18th, so I didn't have to buy afterwards, but oh, thank goodness. it was, uh, the two times we saw her both times I had the, the coin in my pocket. So Ooh. I had to buy two rounds. So do you have to implement the like furthest from the hole kind of like, the order more in that situation? That was situation. the other thing that was kind of funny because, like, realistically, it should be the last person to three-putt. Right. Um, but then what ends up happening is, like, you've got a guy that basically rushes himself to get in the hole yeah, so that right. he's not the last one to three-putt. Mm-hmm. So that was the scenario. One of the guys had, like, a four-footer or something like that. He like ran up, hit it, missed, tapped out real quick, and then I did right. the same thing. So I'm the last guy to three putt. So and the pressure's smart, on. I yeah. done it. Yeah, a little sooner, and it would have been okay. But see, so we'd have to. I think we'd have to come up with the rule where no, mark it. Yeah, stop. Exactly. It's got to be properly. Yes. Rivers in order. <laughs> yeah, we got to do this the honest way. But kudos to you, Mike. You didn't mention what you shot. You broke ninety. I did. Yeah, from the Blues. It was a windy day that day too. I shot a nice eighty card. Eighty nine. Yeah, I framed it already, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, gold plated the the ball, and, uh, no. and, and hopefully it had the right. <laughs> it did. Uh, it it did lower my handicap by like a full. Index number. Did it really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So I we're gonna have to change the the name of the pod to sixteen point seven. So <laughs> <laughs> rounded up to seventeen over. Yeah. Well, it was a great day. I uh, really falling in love with this course. So it, uh, yeah, it's good. It's, uh, it's a treat for sure. We take a quick break to hear from Bryce Matlashewski, who is an investment advisor with Endeavor Wealth Management, part of IA Private Wealth, and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund. So, Bryce, could you let us know what the difference is between a RRSP versus a TFSA? Yeah, there's a lot of confusion with these two tools. They're both great, but in a lot of instances, they're they're, they're very opposite of each other. Uh, with a TFSA, you're dealing with post-tax money, uh, meaning you won't get a tax break when you make the initial contribution. But on, on that token, you won't be taxed on any gains that happen inside that tax-free savings account. An RRSP, on, on the other hand, uh, you're dealing with pre-tax money. You do get a tax break uh, when you make that contribution. And however, all, all of the withdrawals that you make will be taxed in the future. So uh, you can grow tax-free in the meantime inside of that uh, structure, but inevitably have to pay taxes to CRA when you draw down that account. Is there a recommendation if you're a newbie investor or someone that's new into 
wealth management that you suggest to go on one lane or the other, or do you try and do both at the same time? For most young people, a tax-free savings account is probably going to be the a tool that you're going to want to maximize first. Uh, the reason for that is most younger people have a lower income or they're going to anticipate having a higher income in the future. So you want to contribute to a tax-free savings account when your income is lower or you anticipate your income is going to be higher in the future. At that same token, you, you're going to want to save your RSP room uh, it, until you're in a higher tax bracket. That way, when you are making contributions, it helps offset that higher tax that you're paying and uh, helps reduce your overall tax bill. That was Bryce Malachewski, who is an investment advisor with Endeavor Wealth Management, part of IA Private Wealth, and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund. You can contact Bryce at 204 515 Three four four six. Well, did you? So you mentioned you were a member at the old Southwood. When did you? Did you come to Southwood as a pro, or have you? Did you play the new Southwood at some point before being uh, the assistant professional here? Yeah. So myself, I uh, I went in two thousand and jeez. Would have been 12. So I was okay. born in 94 or whatever <laughs> that ends up being. Uh, I went over as a junior. I got sponsored in, um, went over as a junior um, and then played there for a few years. We moved here in 2011. Uh, I played a full season as a junior member here in 2011. Uh, and then my grade 12 year was a little different than uh, most people. I wasn't really here a whole lot. Why? Um, so I played a little bit. I uh, I got lucky enough that for myself, my grandparents live in Texas during the winter. Oh, nice. And uh, they live here in the summer, obviously. So when I was with them uh, in my senior year, I was able to be with them from February until May uh, when they came back or late April. Uh, and I just spent the whole time in Texas playing golf and doing school online. Oh, um, so by the so time like I got St. Norbert back, Collegiate offered that. Yeah, my wow. my teachers were. It took Standards a lot of convincing. In Norbert. Oh yeah, grade point average was they needed it to get up, so they needed me to be out of class more. Um, just straight pass on it. So um, yeah, it was nice. I got to basically spend my senior year, uh, the whole second half of it, uh, playing golf in Texas. So when I came back, there was a lot of stuff like that went on. Uh, while I was down there with them, uh, college wise and choosing where I was going to go and stuff like that, that when I came back, I didn't actually play that much that summer. Hmm. Um, I practiced a little bit and played in a couple events, but didn't really spend a whole lot of time just in the fact that I was going to be leaving for four years and spending time with family and, uh, doing everything like that. So got a good experience of, uh, going to leave and going to have to spend some time with friends and family before I took off and took advantage of that instead of playing or practicing a whole lot. So, well, before we get into, cause I know Mike did a lot of research on where you went to college and we'll maybe touch on how you got into that in a moment, but going to St. Norbert collegiate, the knob is right next door here to Southwood and it'd be hard to pass up the opportunity to talk about the knob. I've never set foot in there, maybe for good reason, <laughs> But was that the hot spot then in high school for, for everyone? Yeah. So it was funny in the sense that like, it was super easy for us to just kind of go there during a break or during lunch or <laughs> during wow. our, com our computers class or uh, well, anything like that. Where was so. the school? Like, I think I know where it is. Uh, well, I know where it is, but I don't know where the school is. I think, I guess I know where the arena there is. Yeah. So our school basically, St. Robert is uh, where you make the, the right at the light to come down um, trapeze to come right. to Southwood. Okay. You would go left there instead uh, and then make a right at your first entrance. And it's back so there in the corner. Walking distance to 
the nod, yeah, I it guess. Was, uh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Deadly. Shorter walk there than back. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a good experience. It was lots of fun. Um, just having the ability to kind of finish, finish school and go over there for a bit. And, uh, there's a couple of times where our, our hockey coach probably wasn't super happy that we went there before <laughs> games or after games, but, uh, yeah, we went, went to have time for uh, a quick beverage before warm up And, uh, <laughs> it was, uh, it was a good experience, but yeah, the bars come a long way when we were younger. It was a lot, uh, like I grew up in a really small town, St. Adolph. So our bar is not anything hot either. Mm. We have like a, an inside joke with, so I'm part of the fire department there as well. And, uh, it's right next door to the bar. So there's always like a joke of like, if it ever did go up, like something would happen with our overhead doors and we couldn't get out or trucks wouldn't start or something <laughs> just because everyone kind of wants like a, an uplift to that bar. The knob was the same way. The knob just basically was operational. It was a place to buy beer and go and hang out. Uh, and they've changed a lot since then. They've renovated a whole bunch and they've got, uh, basically a full service kitchen and everything like that now. So it's a really fun place for us to, uh, to get out. And we, uh, as the Southwood team, uh, venture there quite a bit to, uh, get away from here and have a, have a beverage and kind of decompress after a day. So get away from the guys leaving with liter bags of sunscreen <laughs> aka mike <laughs> and cologne there's cologne cologne yeah. samples yeah Just, right yeah. Samples. you know what i actually have i one. didn't I take took, any. i took one of those and it sits in sits well, in my locker to keep things nice and, well you have yeah, a locker perfect. and, and, and I a membership I too do. yeah uh well you, there are certain etiquette as a as a guest that i must mm-hmm. uh, adhere to uh this was one question i had was is it rude for me as a guest to put my golf shoes on in the parking lot uh i would say no i don't that's I don't pretty extreme real, yeah yeah like i don't i don't want to kind of make a comment or a negative comment but for like us like other clubs might have an issue with it for us like we're our main thing is like you belong here is kind of the idea and that's kind of where golf's gone to like a lot of people are Mm, now doing it right from work they're they're showing up and we've got a couple members that show up in hydro gear and then they come in here and they shower and they go out and play Mm -hmm. um so but there is guest lockers so you could uh could bring your shoes in and and get a guest locker you could store a couple bags of sunscreen in there and and have it ready to go for whenever you need and uh, that's uh good to know yeah and you can oh. fill up the knob has a popcorn machine in there all the time. You can fill up the bag there on your way here if you want and bring out some popcorn for your round and it might not work with your grips. It depends on. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, uh, Dustin, Dustin Howler might be mad if there was popcorn sprinkled <laughs> over the greens there. They'd know who it was. Yeah. Yeah. It might be hard to clean out of the carts too, if it's all stuck in the floorboard, but yeah. the ducks might like it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, even talking about hockey, so were you a multi-sport athlete then growing up? Yeah, so I played, uh, my dad played high-level hockey. Uh, he went to Notre Dame in Saskatchewan, so he played for the Hounds. Oh, wow, okay. And then just got old, fat, and weak, and he stopped playing. Um, <laughs> oh, shout, out to you. shout out to Pops. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so he uh, he kind of hung him up, and uh, so we've like always played since we were young can admit golf was more my thing. Um, I was also fat and lazy as well as a, as a young, young player, as I was playing hockey, I was more of the four check and then change, uh, mm-hmm. wasn't a huge supporter of back check. Um, I also sometimes would, uh, get to a point in the game where I was like, Hey, let's look for a penalty here for a nice two minute break. So it was frequent in, wow. in that department. Um, but yeah, I ended up going on, like I, I ref at high level hockey now, 
Um, I work as a ref in chief in the Eastman uh, region. Oh, okay, nice. So I do lots with uh, with hockey in that sense. I still play beer league and stuff, but nothing crazy competitive and nice. just kind of lace them up for fun. And refing now is more of my like outlet to play or to be competitive in, in hockey. So, yeah. Well, it sounds like your game would match up well for beer league then. <laughs> I have four check, yeah. maybe, and then off the ice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It makes it tough too with like the refing side of things. Like I always find myself yelling at, oh, yeah. at refs and I'm like, this is beer league. We all go to work tomorrow. <laughs> right. Just got to relax and get back to the bench before I, my wires cross or something. So, yeah. Well, Mike, you're uh, your team there, the goats, they got a golf tournament coming up here. We too. Do. So, do you, are you guys sold out yet? I think we have an opening for two people so. Oh, okay so brendan although my myself i won't because on the same day southwood men's opening right so i'll become that's, i heard that's uh, quite the time i don't know bad. it'll be my first one i'm looking forward to it yeah it might be a conflict for me too i don't know <laughs> i'll be able to take that day off where, oh i wanted to know where uh, where are you playing at your beer leagues so i played at dakota yeah uh and then we also have uh it's actually kind of funny it's uh basically a group of guys um that play at a saint Adolf. they play the same time mm. every thursday night pretty intense they have uh two different teams blue and a white uh they do a draft like everyone gets drafted they have like fines and stuff like that for no stuff way. that goes on and they do a bunch of uh, trades and stuff like that during the year so it's pretty nice. competitive um yeah it's a lot of fun so i get to spare with them quite a bit so i played there a few times with them this year which was which lots of fun and uh got to experience the craziness of what that uh mm. that team is like but it's just they basically they share a dressing room they don't they don't dress in two different rooms they have the same dressing room um you could be sitting right next to the guy that's on the other team and everyone just goes out and plays hard, and then they come back in, and there's a big, uh, basically like an ice bucket full of beer in the middle, and mm. you just you have your little punch card, and you drink as many beers as you want, and you punch them, and uh, you sit there next to the guy that you just ran into the boards 15 minutes ago, <laughs> and yeah, it's a good time. So that sounds like it. Yeah, <laughs> it does sound fun. I know there's a group of guys that do Thursday nights at uh, the Allard in Winnipeg. I'll go to a few of those, but. Yeah, it's not it's not that competitive. <laughs> There's non-contact, at least from from what I've seen uh, go down there. You touched on a little bit playing in Texas, figuring out where you were going to go go to school. What was that process like of picking the place where you're going to go to college? Did you get a scholarship? Did you put the feelers out there? Did you put your videos online? How did that all come about? Yeah, so uh, basically, um, my whole kind of eleventh grade year uh, was kind of figuring out what I decided I wanted to do. And uh, decided that that was something I wanted to pursue. So just did a bunch of videos and stuff like that. Made a little mixtape of, call them highlights, I guess. Um, nice. Like an and, and one mixtape. I don't yeah. know if you're <laughs> old enough to remember the and one mixtapes. Remember going into the, the phys ed room at Silver Heights Collegiate and Kirby Shep would throw those on. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I was never a basketball guy, so I didn't. We didn't. It was just funny to watch. Funny to watch those end one mixtapes. But anyways, as did you have audio? Was there like Uh, a music track? There was uh, no. Just it was funny because my dad basically did it on his computer. So with like no software, just like (laughs) cut, cut, cut. So it'd be like you never saw where the golf ball actually went. It was just like a swing, and uh, it would basically be like thirty seconds of like just driver smacking a golf ball, like swing, 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 and uh, stuff like that. So props to him mm-hmm. for putting that together mm-hmm. for me but uh there wasn't a lot of high tech uh right any well any mixing of that so. there is videos on youtube still of your swing that your dad posted but oh, by that time i think you are already <laughs> uh in in university 
But interesting to see what those look like. He's got at least 430 views over <laughs> six videos. <laughs> um, yeah, so he put that together for me, and then uh, he licked all the envelopes and mailed them all out wow. to a couple different places. And uh, I was down in Texas, my grandparents basically just playing golf with them and uh, and kind of figuring out exactly where I wanted to go. And um, re- got basically contacted by a couple different schools. Adam State was one in Colorado that I had mm. originally gotten contact from. Uh, and then another one called Morthland College, which was uh, West Frankfurt, Illinois. Um, mm. So those two were kind of the ones that, that stood out um, just because West Frankfurt was a basically that school was a brand new school. There was a, a group of people that came together to, to create Morthland and they kind of, they sold it really well. So I actually was supposed to go to visits at both, uh, ended up going to Morthland because it was en route back from Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I drove back with my grandparents in their <laughs> grand a, caravan, what a, um, what a drive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, we ended up stopping in there and, and kind of seeing what everything was like. And, mm-hmm. uh, I made the decision at that point, just based upon the people I had met and, uh, stuff there that that was the place I was going to go. Uh, unfortunately that didn't work out. I ended up going there for one semester. Um, so 2012, like the, uh, the first semester, September to January or Mm -hmm. however that rolls out. But, uh, so I went to Morthland, uh, when I got there, uh, didn't even realize really that that wasn't the school I was going to attend. Uh, I ended up attending a school called John A. Logan because Morthland didn't get their papers for bringing in students yet from out of country. So I couldn't go there. I ended up going to John A. Logan in Marion, Illinois for a semester. Uh, And the idea was a semester there, they would get their paperwork. I would transition back into Morthland and be good to go. So I was a part of the golf team. I practiced with them. I played with them, uh, never actually competed, but uh, basically just was able to practice and still be down there uh, while going to that other school. And Mm. then one of the, that was in Maine. Um, Where'd you say it was? Marion, Illinois was the oh. school I went to, but West Frankfurt, Illinois is where more oh, was. Sorry. They're basically so they're both like in side Illinois. by side. Okay. Yeah, all south, uh, southern part of Illinois. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was much different down there. I can tell you that. A lot more tractors driving around. And uh, they did have a really good Mexican food place, which was nice because you could get nachos for like $3. Whoa. And it was like a massive plate. And it was awesome. But uh, so good experience there. And I ended up, everything fell through with their getting the rest of the information out of it mm-hmm. for them to be able to bring in students. So it was kind of like, okay, now what do I do? So one of the other student athletes that was going there uh, went for a, a visit to Chicago State and came back and, like I said, talked to the coach and was like, hey, how many more spots do you have? We have some guys. So I was one of the guys that was chosen to uh, to go for a, a viewing, I guess you could say, of the, of the college. And uh, I went down there and thankfully I didn't report to my parents what I saw when I was driving into the college because uh, I don't know if you did that research, but <laughs> Chicago State's not in the greatest part of Chicago. Um, <laughs> I did is, look it up. Yeah. I, I did have, I don't really know what is bad and what is good. Obviously yeah. there are so it's on, some bad uh, areas. The, it's 95th and King. So it's one of the like worst areas. Like Kanye West grew up like five blocks north. Uh, I was like, going to bring up Kanye, but yeah, we'll he get actually into graduated that. from Chicago State. Well, he he dropped out of Chicago yeah, right. State. Yeah. Hence the album, <laughs> yes. the dropout. What is it? College dropout. The college dropout. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, yeah. So he only was, uh, it was two semesters. Yeah, and I think it was back in 1997. So unfortunately, your paths may not have crossed. No, no, I wasn't. Uh, I was only three. That I was swinging those. 
those those cut down golf clubs at that point. So, um, but yeah, that was it was always funny because they had a big plaque of him on the wall, and I'm like, this is, is what you're funny. trying to promote here in an educational. <laughs> well, facility. I would say that was his best album. In college, hey, you're right? not wrong. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty cool. Well, what? Okay, so hold on. Before we get going here, I didn't see the second page of your notes here. Mike, but you have a pie chart. I do have a pie chart. <laughs> this is probably the first pie chart I've had in my notes. Uh, so, uh, Chai State, what would be your the, the name of the team? Uh, so we are Cougars. The Cougars. And mm. I think I was talking to Marshall Patterson earlier this yeah, year. Yeah. And I think whatever, I don't know if I it was him. I think it was the Cougars because yeah. I said, go Cougars. And he, and he glazed over it. And uh, so then I was like, I, then I started looking off as like, uh, how many, what's the percentage of NCAA colleges with the name Cougars? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it, it wasn't really well put together, but it, so overall it was like about 1,800 teams, NCAA, NAIA, and the JUCO, which is the junior right, colleges. Yeah, JUCO. So by percentage of what the college mascot is, almost 16% are cats, cat-related. 16%? Six, yeah, wow. 16, mm. which is, you know, quite a That's bit. That's almost a fifth. 15 uh, are birds. So <laughs> okay. you got your hawks and whatever else. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, then it kind of other mammals, 12%. And then it says sword guys are <laughs> 10%. <laughs> and, and then it kind of goes down the, uh, the list. But it was a very interesting pie chart. So lots of cats are, are uh, the popular name. The wild cats. Yeah, wild Who cats, are we? Cougars. The wild cats. Anyway, so that's my pie chart. Wow. But, uh, well, so you go and visit Chai State. If I can call it that, even though I'm not, yep. not an alumni of Chai State, <laughs> uh, do you gotta you gotta try out? Like, do you, do they you just see the campus, or do they ask to see some swings, or do they play? Yeah, so NCAA bylaws or rules, they technically can't play with you. Oh. Um, so hmm. when I went for my visit, I played with just two other random guys that were somehow associated with uh, Chicago State. I don't know if they were like past students or how it worked out. And then the two coaches and two players played behind us. So that was the way they made the rule work. Interesting. Um, so many so many loopholes. Yeah. And, yeah. So the fact that we played as a seven sum didn't really matter, but they were basically right behind us on every tee box and every green and we were just talking the whole time. So um, got to play one round there and it was uh, nice because we, we played at Beverly, which is a very, very high end course in Chicago very hard to get on to. So that was my first experience, which is really nice. Um, so I got to play there and uh, basically just had a bunch of questions saying like, are you interested in coming? We're looking for a couple uh, international. I'm assuming they get a benefit from getting international students. Nah. So I don't want to say I was going there because of talent. They probably needed some kind of a grant or something, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was lucky enough to, to have what it took for them to be interested in me, which they didn't see a huge uh, return on that investment the first couple of years. My scoring average wasn't great, but... But you're a good glue guy on the team. Yeah, yeah, I held everything together. Yeah, yeah. I needed that one token Canadian to keep everything together, so... <laughs> Crush some nachos. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> was, uh, and then what would what was the home course there? Was it Beverly or... No, so we had uh, two home courses that we played, so we were lucky enough that uh, the golf coach for my first two years was, uh, his name was Marty Sheen. Uh, he 
frequented the Canadian tour a bit and played overseas and stuff Martin as well. Sheen? Martin Sheen. So he was oh. our uh, our golf coach and he had a lot of connections there. So our home course was um, called Harborside International. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was built on a, a big landfill, so it was really green, uh, but 36 hole facility with a uh, really good practice range and good uh, practice mm-hmm. area for us to pr- basically I, practice play in. I got that one down because it was like, the I looked at the location of the school yeah. and that was the closest golf course. And yeah. yeah, 36 holes and yeah, it was, and then they had some like lakes there, but the practice facility looked like it, it was like a 500 yard bunker with like a huge green on it. It looks yeah. beautiful. Yeah. So it's, it's a really good facility. It was nice. They had indoor areas as well as outside areas. Um, really like big, big short game facility. Like Southwood has mm. by far one of the best practice facilities, but they would contend pretty well with mm-hmm. the ability to hit into different greens. They had different greens that were built. Uh, one where you'd hit into it as an upslope green, one that you'd hit into it as a downslope green. Mm-hmm. Um, just lots of different things like that. And a lot of the Blackhawks and Wolves and stuff like that players would uh, would all be there. So they uh, they frequented there quite quite often. And um, cool. it was just kind of their, their place to play. It was nice for us because one side was membership and it was a lot of like high class business type membership where there wasn't a whole lot of play that was going going on. Um, so it was always really well manicured. And as long as we put in a little bit of time helping out with clinics and stuff like that, they let us play and, and not have to worry about anything. So mm. that was, uh, was really positive for us to yeah. be able to, to use that. And then with the connection side with, uh, with Marty, we were able to play Cog Hill basically three or four times a month. Wow. Um, so we played there quite frequently and not bad. yeah, so it was fun when we got it on the Sims here this, this winter, it was like, I finally have a course where I know where I got to hit it. And, um, <laughs> so it was nice in, in that sense we got a really good experience to be able to play there and um, we helped out a lot with some of the junior programs and they have a really good uh, call it a junior tour that they put on there they put a lot of money into uh, creating junior golf uh, a fun experience and good. and getting uh, juniors interested and we helped out a lot with that and yeah kind of just paid for our way in golf with uh, volunteering and being able to get out there and taking some of those millionaires' money on the course. <laughs> You're not allowed to gamble or, or participate in money transfers in NCAA either. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, it might be a little different now. With, I think it's the NIA. Is that what it is? Yeah. Our college athletes can make some make some scratch now. What's it called? The uh, I don't know if it's NIA or what it is, but oh, there's something someone can Google it. Player, it's a player like reciprocation or something, something like that. Like, like that. Yeah. basically, it gives them a certain value that uh, would normally be put back into their sport. They can put it back into the players. Is my understanding of it? Mm. Um, yeah. So I think it's I think it's positive. Like for us, uh, I was lucky enough to be on a scholarship, so I didn't have to worry about much. And my grandparents basically paved the rest of the way for me, oh, uh, helped me with the stuff I needed that way. My parents did a lot with the random. So cog, uh, sorry. Harborside was right across from the closest Walmart to us. And we basically practiced every single day and played every day. And beer was very, very cheap at that Walmart. Um, <laughs> so there's a lot of uh, purchases at Walmarts. And I would always get these random texts from my parents being like, what did you spend $200 on? And I was very lucky that they attached me to their credit card for the time I was away at school. 
but I'm still a, still paying that back with my daughter giving them hugs and stuff like that now. So oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. try to soften them up with with my kid. Use her to my advantage until she starts costing me more money. I was gonna say until she she asks for it to link to your credit card. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and she's going to Walmart in the U.S. Yeah. What's uh what's a playing season like in Chicago? Probably a little bit longer than here in Winnipeg. Yeah, it was that was the biggest difference was uh, when we went down there. It was funny because I'd come home for Christmas and. Uh, come back and we'd get back to school like early January and uh, we'd be like a week or so where we couldn't do anything. Uh, we had an, another outdoor facility that was in Orland Park um, that Marty taught out of. So we were able to use that quite frequently as well to hit balls outside. It was all um, like similar to what uh, Golf Central used to be like, where it was oh, just okay, like that yeah. basically garage door type building. Mm -hmm. And you just hit golf balls out and there's heaters above you and stuff like that. So we got to use that in the winter. Um, but basically two weeks or three weeks into being there in January, we there would be times where we'd go out and play. Yeah, there was another course that one of our uh, teammates, his uh, father owned, uh, was called Lincoln Oaks. So they were basically, if you could see your golf ball, you could play golf. Um, right. So we would go play there quite frequently and and just mm. basically Saturday morning get up. Didn't have any team functions going on, so we would go out and play there. And they actually have an event every year. They call it the Turkey Squirrel, and uh, basically they just changed the entire golf course. So you could tee off from the third tee box and hit it to the sixth green, like across the parking lot, across water hazards, all kinds of stuff. It was just chaos. But all the tee markers were bottles, so there'd be like a, a handle of Fireball and like rum chata or something as one of the shots, and you'd basically like take a shot. So obviously not COVID friendly, but this was. <laughs> Pre-COVID, it didn't exist. Germs weren't a thing. Um, so, but uh, stuff like that where we played in the snow. So it was just right. basically, if you could see your ball land, they let you play. So we got to play a lot there. And then Harborside was basically closed for January, February. And then we'd get back out there mid-March um, and be able to play. And we could play basically till we went home in December. So, but there'd be a lot of like lake effect storms where we'd like have a tea time scheduled, be ready to go play. And then a storm would come in and we'd have four feet of snow mm. and then it would Jeez. be gone in two days and we'd be back to normal. So right. a lot of that happened, but um, golf season was definitely longer. And for us, we were part of the Western Athletic Conference. So we traveled Utah, mm. uh, New Mexico State, Seattle, um, Houston a lot. So we got to play in a, a lot of warm places as well. So nice. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to the first Turkey squirrel here at Southwood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe next year. Yeah. I like that idea. Well, you, did you have some more alumni there, Mike? No. From, oh, I did oh, yeah. actually. Yeah. From, sorry. From Chicago State. There was one. Yeah. Kanye West, obviously. That was, uh, that's a pretty good one. The founding members of sticks attended in the oh, late, really? in the late sixties. Wow. So we'll have to we'll have to import. a lot of musicians. Very musical school. It was. Yeah, there was mm -hmm. lots of other. Do you play any instruments? I do not. I okay. tried to play the clarinet, and uh, <laughs> I guess that'd be the seventh and eighth grade, and I was quickly stopped and put onto percussion. So I was a triangle guy after that. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. No, that's all. There was other alumni, mostly uh, politicians, and yeah, there's a lot of like history behind it. Like mm -hmm. um, we actually, there's another. Uh, I don't know where Austin's from, but Austin DeBrusque. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. He's from Brandon or something, I oh, believe. Austin DeBrescu, I believe. Yeah. yeah. So he went to Chicago State oh, okay. um, as well. So not 
anything to do with me. I like I don't know why they came back to Manitoba after the performance that I showed while I was there, but they decided to give him another shot. So I'm glad he got that experience. But yeah, he went there for a couple of years. And uh, when we left there magically with some more funding that was being given out. So uh, things changed a bit there, sports and academic wise. But yeah, it was it was a good experience. Nice. And then I was going to bring up Chicago sports because, mm. I mean, the Blackhawks had a little bit of a run mm-hmm. probably in the time that you were there. Did you get to go to uh, some of those games? or experience some of the madness? Yeah, so I was lucky enough. One of my teammates, his uh, grandfather, I don't remember if it was the bag or like the way that the popcorn goes in the microwave, but he invented something to do with that bag that goes in the <laughs> microwave. So they own like a, they own a packaging company now. Nice. Um, they, own a, they own a packaging company. And uh, so basically <laughs> awesome. we were able to like tag team off of all of their stuff. So they had season tickets to wow. the Cubs, season tickets to the Blackhawks, everything like that. So it was a really good experience. We could uh, take advantage of that. Yeah, it was just fun to kind of piggyback off of his family's expenses. <laughs> but they ended up flying us to Florida a couple times for for uh, going down for spring break and stuff like that. And jeez, wow, yeah, it was oh, a good, smokes. really good experience. And Do you still keep in touch with any of these? these uh, a few of the guys, yeah. like there's a couple guys that we we basically I had to live on campus for my first year. Um, again, another one of those NCAA bylaws, but I was able to move off of campus after my full first year. Uh, and we lived in like a golf house. So we had like a flat in, uh, the middle of Chicago, kind of, um, like 43rd ish street, um, which is actually right near where Obama lives. So there's a couple interesting stories that I remember like on the phone with my parents one day and we had the top floor. So we were able to access the roof. So and then one of those credit card purchases was a barbecue and I'd put it up there. <laughs> we had some like lawn chairs and a, a little barbecue and stuff like that up there. And, uh, I remember we were up there and all of a sudden we like hear this like knock downstairs and, um, one of our other roommates like let these guys up and they come all the way upstairs and they walk up and they're like ordering us off our roof. And we're like, who are you? Like, why are you here? And it was secret service because Obama was coming back in. They didn't want us standing on the roof because wow. he lived just basically were two streets su- away. Were they wearing um, suits? Like- They're just, yeah, just like they looked like normal, mm. like whether you call that undercover or plain clothes, whatever it would be, but they just like don't look like normal people. They weren't like the movies in a, in a suit. And that's the other part that for me is interesting with my father-in-law. He's part of, um, the Republican party stuff in the U S politics. Yeah. So not to get super in depth, but his name is Mark Lauder. Um, so he's very in Paul, uh, involved with the Republican first party. Uh, he used to be the press secretary for Mike Pence and worked with Trump and wow, stuff. Wow. So I've gotten to see lots of like secret service stuff and they're not like the movies where they're in a black suit. They're like full on vest AR 15, mm. like ready to go. Not, uh, <laughs> yeah, they're very much like Evander Kane, like fuck around, find out kind of, <laughs> kind of people. Uh, um, but, uh, yeah, they were, they were very different than the movies where you see them in their yeah, little well. black suit and stuff yeah. like that. So I got a thousand questions. Second time, <laughs> this is the, we're going to se- have to do a, a bonus. <laughs> yeah. This is the second time the Republican party's come up this right. season. Yeah. Almost in the, yeah, the second straight we did with Randy Skolsky, our last interview episode, I believe the Republican right. party came up. <laughs> right. Why you weren't allowed in California. Apparently I'm a big Republican. <laughs> Just add that into your link tree and yeah, they'll start making donations for you. <clears throat> wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, that, oh, and uh, from Orville Redenbacher to Obama to <laughs> the press wild. secretary, yeah, little, I don't even off, know. Uh, off case there. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's cool. So then you graduate. I'm assuming you graduated. It looked like you, what'd you get? What was your degree? 
Uh, so I have a degree in obviously business administration, just mm. the simplest thing I could do originally. Uh, and then I have a minor in sports marketing. Oh, okay. So, oh, nice. Well, that's yeah. a good town to be a, you do some sports marketing. I'm sure you got to volunteer and see a few things there. Yeah. So I got to be involved just a little bit with, uh, there was a company called athlete first. So basically they would hire student athletes to be, uh, involved with some of like the behind the scenes stuff, but most of it was all just like fictional. They didn't really, for me, like they had, there's Northwestern there, there's some, higher ranking schools they could pull interns from. So for me, it was more like, Hey, this, uh, junior varsity high school games going on. Can you promote their (laughs) basketball game and like stuff like that? So it wasn't, uh, as cool as Mm -hmm. you'd picture, but yeah, we were a little farther down the totem pole. We're the third or fourth call, not the, not the first for those uh, events. Was there much social media back then? Yeah, it was still, I guess. Facebook was around. Was Facebook was more popular. Instagram like was Instagram was maybe. was still there. Twitter was like I guess at its peak. Yeah. Um, oh right. Yeah. But like that was just starting out and stuff like that. So uh, most of the stuff that we did with school was kind of more so like the ad side of things with like Canva being one of them. Like now mm-hmm. that's really popular. Like just basically being able to put certain things into a document that would catch people's attention and and try to get them to kind of tag into that in that sense instead of the continuous like repetitive ads or stuff like that that you see now that came a little later but yeah for us most of it was just kind of figuring out what people wanted to see and how you would get them to see it as simple as possible instead of now with social media it's really easy you can just post mm-hmm. it and have people share it for a free mm-hmm. donut or something and then all of a sudden Does that it's work? all over the place <laughs> why we haven't tried that if we you do southwood lager just Promote it out there. Right. Yeah, we could do that. Share it and get a free donut yeah. from O Donuts. Yeah, or a bag of sunscreen. Yeah. <laughs> Just bring your own bag. Yeah, BYOB. Bring your own bag. No, no, we'll no. Fill it up with sunscreen. I can get some some stickers made and slap them on Ziploc. And uh, I got a Canva account. I can make I can make a yeah. nice label. Just go pick I've up a it. vacuum sealer, and it's like it was never opened. <laughs> Lots of ideas here yeah, we are, in the yeah, boardroom of studios. Yeah, that's going to be a whole S. different podcast. And say, so you finished up with college, you graduated, and that's when you maybe figured out to be a pro. Were you trying to actually play professionally, make some money with the game, or were you like, you know what, I'm just going to get my car to go back home sort of thing? Yeah, for me, um, while I was going to school, I was still working at Granite Hills. So I was involved with it already in that sense. I still didn't know for sure what I wanted to do. Um, because I met my wife while I was at school, there was a lot of like stuff with her dad still going on. Cause he wasn't at the level he is now when we were in school. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a lot smaller of a scale just working within the government of Indianapolis. Uh, so he had lots of connections that way, mm-hmm. uh, through the sports teams and through other golf courses and stuff. But I decided, uh, that I wanted to come home and just kind of pursue the Granite Hills thing for a bit. Okay. Um, so I decided to get my card. I went through a bunch of injuries and stuff like that during college that made me realize I wasn't going to be able to play and practice and put in the time that was required to be that good. Um, I still have the same injuries cause I'm a bit of a meathead and don't get it fixed. But, uh, <laughs> so I have like a labrum issue. Uh, my meniscus is messed up in my knee and stuff like that. So for me to be able to, to play in practice and put in the amount mm-hmm. of time I needed to do, I would have had to do surgeries and take years off. So Jeez. I decided that it wasn't worth it in my like kind of decision at that point, looking back on it, I don't think I made the wrong decision, but it would have been nice to at least see if there was an avenue there to, to play, but, um, I'm happy with where I am now. So, yeah. Well, ending up at Granite or working during the time in school, that's a pretty great spot. I know Mike, you haven't 
No, you did play there, but we haven't gone out there in a while. Granite, yeah, I played it twice, but mm. uh, not in a few years. Uh, but uh, yeah, beautiful place. And yeah, they don't have a pro there. Isn't it a community run thing or do they have a pro there now? Yeah, they don't. So for myself, when I was uh, leaving to go away to school, um, we actually know the, f- the family that was operating it. Um, the uh, Vanderseens were their last name. The lady that was running it, she used to run Oak Grove that was off of Highway 59. It was then Shamrock, now Prairie oh. Oaks or something. Mm. Um, it's basically on Oak Grove Road, right off 59 Highway between Southside and Ile de Chain. Um, All right. So she ran that, and that's where I frequently played most of the time uh, with my dad as a, as a junior. And uh, actually those set of clubs that we were talking about, those um, the first set my grandpa had built mm-hmm. me, uh, I remember we were playing one morning and there was like a pond in front of me, and I went up to hit my shot, and the club came right out of my hands and went in the pond. <laughs> and I just remember like being super upset. I'm like, these are brand new, and how am I going to tell my grandpa? And like, did my dad see? And I could look over, and he's already walking over, and he's like down to his boxers and walks in to get the club for me <laughs> and brings it out. And uh, so, yeah, that was a, a place I played with a lot as a junior. So we knew her from that, and my mom had relations with uh, her son growing up and going to school and stuff like that. So we had a connection that way, and I was able to uh, to kind of get in contact with her. And she offered if I wanted to work for there for the summer. And so my first year, two thousand and uh, would have been thirteen summer. I worked there for the summer, then went back to school, um, worked the following year, uh, went back to school, and then my last two years of school, I ended up taking on a bigger role there um, and was doing some more like work while I was away for the winter and doing Mm -hmm. some more um, director of golf type stuff. But there was never a pro there. Um, With me leaving, that was kind of part of the the incentive for me leaving. Uh, They never really wanted a pro there. They wanted it to be very much there's their own operation and, and not have it tied into anything. So it's, it's turned out to be a great place. Like the golf course is beautiful. Um, they're, did, they're where did well. you, uh, where did you stay when you were out there? Did you in a nice cabin or <laughs> no? So, uh, <laughs> right. Basically right before you get there, there's, uh, the same gentleman that owns part of the course owns the rec park. That's right before it. Mm-hmm. Um, so my parents have a place in that rec park. So ah, they nice. were actually, again, with their, uh, very nice decision, uh, bought that place just so I could have somewhere to stay while I worked out there. Um, so before that they didn't have a place out there. Um, they made that decision to, to purchase that so I could have a place to, to sleep, uh, Mm -hmm. and be able to work instead of sleeping in the car. Um, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, so it was great. Couple of parties in the rec park. There, uh, yeah, it was a, it was definitely different there than it was (laughs) working here at, uh, so like they don't have, they back then they didn't have like an operational irrigation system where you could just turn it on from your phone or have Mm -hmm. it scheduled. So the green superintendent at the time, who's now in Thunder Bay used to have to physically go there and turn on the sprinklers. So him and I would ride around in his cart with, uh, some beverages and turn on the sprinklers and, uh, just basically drive around the course and then sit at the shop for two, three hours while the sprinklers ran and then go turn them off and then (laughs) go back to bed and wake up the next morning to, to open up the the golf shop. And Mm -hmm. yeah, so it was, it was fun. It was a good experience. Yeah. Probably some differences between, I'll call it lake golf 
uh, and you know, city golf or a, a private course. Yeah. We weren't, uh, weren't telling many people to turn their hat around forwards out there. Uh, it was more so like, <laughs> do you want three more beer? Like, uh, just basically they, trying to get them to stay. Right? They did have a good deal there. You think, uh, you know, you play, pay your regular green fee and then you could play another 18 for like half price or yeah. So like they, 20 uh, bucks or my whatever. second year there, we brought that in. Um, and basically it was pay full rack rate, which was back then around $60. And then your green fee was free for your second 18. You should pay for the cart. Wow. So basically oh, for wow. $80, you could play 36 holes nice. and it was a good way to get people to come out. And I believe they still do that. I don't think they've changed it. I think they still do uh, a very similar deal to get people out there, but yeah, it was, it was a huge difference in the sense that we saw a lot of regular people, uh, on the weekend where it was like the same person every weekend would tee off at seven o'clock or eight o'clock or something like that. Mm, nice. But during the week it was like a free for all. It could be right. anybody coming out. Yeah. So you, this is getting a little off topic. Mm-hmm. Remember Al's story and he's playing granite Hills and there was tubing going on the, on the river there. Oh, no, I, I think, think that was Pinawa. Oh, Pinawa. Yeah. Yeah, Pinawa. Scratch the tubes that. Were, we'll cut yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, the tubes would come right through Pinawa. Uh, that's actually a fun experience, too. Like, the, you can basically go to Pinawa. They, people drop you off at the beginning. You tube the entire way and then pick you up at the end. It's like a three- or four-hour thing. You just mm-hmm. tube with a cooler full of beer down the, down the river, so... Tube all the way to Granite Hill. <laughs> Don't yeah. want to. It's just floating on the lake yeah. there. Yeah. Good. Right. Maybe a little windy. You could bring a tube, I, I think, to Granite and Lee, just throw some beer in the, in the cooler and away you go. Yep. Lee River and Black The watershed. Yeah. You're not very good on the East Man no, watershed. You're more of a West yeah. Man watershed. Lee River guy. was correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I spent one out of one. Spend some time out there. <laughs> it took a well, while. Yeah. Anyways, uh, carrying on. Oh, yeah. Well, you went so you, from Granite, then you end up at Old Drover's Run mm-hmm. in Niverville. So was that just closer to home? Uh, no, for me, basically, um, in 2016, I graduated and I went back for uh, a full kind of the, almost the full season. Uh, I was doing a bunch of work beforehand in the winter to get ready for the season. I go back and I get into about August-ish, September, and... Uh, just had some stuff that we were, I was kind of starting to plan for the next year saying, okay, I'll be here full time again. Um, and doing some negotiating stuff, trying to figure out what the plan of action was where they wanted to go, where I wanted to go and Mm -hmm. kind of meeting in the middle and, uh, it just didn't work out. So I decided, Kate, like I'll leave and I'll try to venture somewhere else. The other big part, uh, which is why I ended up at Southwood, but, uh, there wasn't a pro to work under. So within the PGA, you have to work under a class, a professional, if mm. you want to progress in the program, uh, or even stay in the program, I guess, technically. But, <laughs> um, so there was no, none of that option there. So, um, I kind of had to decide, is this, am I going to do this as more from the management st- side and stay here and not have my card? Uh, or do I want to try to find my card somewhere else? Or do I want to just leave the industry? Um, so I left and my parents own a sheet metal ventilation company that does commercial sheet metal. So I ended up working for my dad, um, as an estimator and a project bidder, um, for a while doing that, uh, and then stumbled upon. So Adam Bogue, who works with golf mentor and Glenn circus, mm-hmm. um, basically reached out and said, do you have any interest in, in running uh, the Niverville golf course? And, uh, went and took a look and I was like, this is, it's worth it because I can somewhat be attached, uh, to golf mentor and still have the ability to work under a professional, Mm. um, works good in that sense. And I get to still do what I want to do. 
Um, and I was able to double dip a little bit where I still worked for my dad and stuff like that. So I, I took the offer. Um, I worked there 2017, 2018, uh, the beginning of 2018, it changed a little bit in the sense that golf mentor, uh, and the owner who owned the golf course, he owns like a development company and, uh, it was supposed to be 18 holes. He wanted to build more houses. So now it's just nine. Uh So they ended up parting ways in the sense that he ran it himself for one year. So I was technically employed by him again, not working for anyone in the PGA and back to square one again. Um, but I enjoyed working there. I enjoyed the, the ability to, um, kind of do everything. Like I was placing all the food and beverage orders. I was taking care of all the staff from both departments, similar to what I was doing at Granite, uh, doing all the accounting and bookkeeping and stuff like that. So I got the good experience in that sense and then made the decision. Okay. At the end of 2018, is this something I want to still kind of pursue? And, uh, was debating again, exact same thing. So I was working for my dad in the winter, obviously, cause there was no employment there during the winter. Uh, and kind of thinking again, do I just continue this and I'm going to work for my dad? I'm not, I'm going like, to hang it up and give it up kind of mm-hmm. idea, uh, because there's no professional to work for. Um, and part of that was just my ignorance to actually knowing how much assistant professionals were needed in the province. Mm-hmm. I kind of, because I came right out of college and was running a large portion of granite and then ran Niverville myself, I was in the kind of perception of, do I want to drop to an assistant and go work somewhere else? And I kind of had that stuck in my head where that was fighting me a bit. Um, so the Southwood job came up and my thought was like, I was there as a junior. I know the facility cause I was there for a couple of years. Um, I actually knew nothing about Andrew before coming. Um, probably a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, came and met with him, um, really enjoyed our interview and, mm-hmm. um, the conversations and stuff we had. So I decided to, um, pursue that and, and give him my intent to, to wanting to come. And uh, a few days later, or a couple of weeks later, it's been a long time now. Um, <laughs> he reached back out and said that if I wanted the job, I could, uh, I could take it and, uh, made the decision that, yeah, that's what I wanted to do. And, um, looking back now, it was in no ways like a downgrade. Um, being able to give up some of those responsibilities was awesome because I could focus on more of the stuff that I, they actually wanted to do. Like I wasn't a huge fan of having to go pick up beer and stuff like that. Uh, it's fun when you're doing it for the weekend, but not, uh, not for the golf course. Um, so it was my, my perception of it was definitely wrong and assistants like carry a huge weight in the golf industry and they get to do a lot, um, where I was just blind or ignorant towards that. So now, uh, now being here, I've found, uh, a place that I'm comfortable with working. Me and Andrew get along great. Um, my kid cares more about him than, than me. She's <laughs> all the time. She's like, can we go to daddy's work to see Andrew? And I'm like, daddy's there too. Like you could come and see me. And she's like, no, we'll go see Andrew. So yeah, she, uh, yeah, she loves coming and hanging out. And, uh, that's the reason I come here. <laughs> see Andrew. <laughs> now you have more so, reason for the logger. Yeah, and for the clone sun, sunscreen, logger, Andrew. Yeah. yeah, yeah, not in that particular order, but he might share the sunscreen with you too because he uh, he likes that's to load right. up on the sunscreen. So, yeah, hey, that's probably maybe I'll even play idea. the course too. Hey, might as well. Well, on that note, how often do you actually get to go out and play? Yeah, so every year we uh, Andrew and I have a meeting at the end of the year, and we kind of talk about what we liked, what we need to change, and uh, where our goals are. And every year it's like play more golf, play more golf, mm. and uh, people always joke like PGA stands for um, or CPGAs can't play golf anymore. Uh-huh. Um, so it's not CPGA anymore; it's just PGA of Canada. But um, we don't get to play golf a whole lot. 
And uh, so for myself this year, I played 18 holes on Saturday morning at Maplewood, um, where I had to buy those two unfortunate rounds. Um, and I've played nine holes here so so far this year. Um, and for me, like a big thing is there's a lot of my responsibility kind of pertains right towards our member events. Mm. Um, I ho host most of the leagues. I do most of the member event stuff. Um, so a lot of my time and preparation goes into that. Um, so I get kind of caught up in that a lot of the time and don't actually get out to play very much. But um, last year I played in a couple couple of the professional events that were, were fun and uh, kind of gave me the itch to play in more. So mm -hmm. I'll be trying to play in a little bit more of those this year and spend some more time practicing and, and getting... Uh, kind of back into the, the shape of things. Nice. Well, what about lessons too? If you're not a member here, can you still get say lesson with yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So we do uh, like member and non-member pricing just to mm -hmm. kind of give our members that little extra incentive to, uh, to trust us, especially because we're going to see them every day and mm -hmm. they have direct access to us on a regular basis. So um, yeah, but yeah, we definitely do outside lessons. And um, I would say that we definitely give priority to our members mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to outside bookings, just because we want to make sure that we're, we are here to serve the member, right? right. So mm -hmm. we, uh, we want to make sure they're taken care of before we're going and spending our own time and, and doing an outing, uh, an outside lesson or something, but yeah. Is there a 24 hour hotline where the, the members can reach you at? <laughs> yeah. Some late night swing thoughts and yeah. <laughs> Just woke up and I thought about, Oh, it's going to be windy right into 11. What am I going to hit? <laughs> a little part three there. I think there is when I played, uh, one of the times last year on 11. So it's part three. I don't know what it is stock. If there's no wind, say from the the blues. I don't know how far it would be, but I think I was playing from the golds that day. So it's black, gold, blue, white, green. Am I yep. correct on that for the tee boxes? Yep. And I had to hit my forward because it was so damn windy and I hit it pin high. I actually made birdie on it. So I was very, very happy. Nice. But I was like, holy shit. Yeah. That's a big hole the, from the back wind, there. Yeah. The wind can make a huge difference out here. So I guess even old drovers run, that was kind of a Prairie link style, very much similar so. to what you see here at Southwood, which is interesting because, Hey, we talked about, <laughs> I think last year on the pod, when you play golf in Manitoba, it's going to be windy. So why not get used to the wind? Yeah. And a big part is like being able to play every day, like um, whether or not you're, you're going to base your tee times off of weather is I guess your own decision. But mm -hmm. if you're doing that, you're not going to play a whole lot of golf. There's <laughs> especially out here, like, Today was probably a really calm day on average, and uh, I was out starting earlier for our senior men's league to go out, and we're standing there, and um, it's like perfect. It's like 20 gusts, and all the guys are super excited mm -hmm. that they're not going to have to hit in the teeth on six and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's uh, definitely a different kind of conception uh, to what the wind can can cause out there. Mm -hmm. That's why I like it, because you always have to think you're never really going to hit the same shot yeah. twice, which uh, which is cool. So I enjoy it, and it's close to my work. So that helps. <laughs> close to the, the, the podcast studio, my main my main area of work. Uh, well, that's kind of... I had maybe one more. Did you have any more there, Mike, before we jump into the back nine? Uh, well, I was going to ask about where you, uh, you played your PAT. Yeah, so my mm. PAT was a little different than, than most people. Um, the way it works... So I have my PGA of America card as well. Oh, cool. Um, oh. So I played in a tournament called the Minority Spring Championship. Um, that happens basically every year. It's hosted at uh, 
PGA Village, and uh, basically, what is that? So it's a it's a big tournament for minority schools. But what's um, PGA Village? So PGA Village is basically in Port St. Lucia. It's just all of the okay. like the PGA host like facility. Right. So where cool. PGA of America is like based out of, um, where like the professionals would go for any seminar and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got to go down there for a tournament. Um, I think they have three courses total. Uh, I don't know exactly what the, the logistics of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but so we basically got invited cause we were a minority school, um, got to go play in that event and, uh, they have a, basically it's a five day thing. And, uh, before you go and play, they have like this big dinner and they have bunch of different speakers and stuff. And then you get to talk to some professionals from the area, professionals from international and stuff like that as well. Um, and they kind of just give you an insight into what the, the PGA lifestyle is like from the golf professional standpoint, not the players. Um, and then there's like easy go club car, like that kind of stuff there. It's kind of like a mini buying show, I guess. Mm. Um, but you're not there to buy anything. They're there to like attract you to come and work as interns and stuff like that. Once you're done college. Um, and there's this little old lady, uh, that sits at the end and she has this big like leather book <laughs> and basically everyone's names on there. And if you want to try to achieve your PAT, you have to just sign next to your name. Um, so you basically go and you sign up saying, yeah, I'm going to try to play like Hogwarts. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you're, uh, you're committing yourself to, uh, to have to play. And, um, so you sign up and then you play your first, uh, couple rounds of the event. Uh, and if you finish within the top scaling system, uh, I don't remember if it was 50 in ties or however it worked, but if you finish in that top tier, uh, you get your card and wow. you basically get like, it's, it was fun in the sense that you, you don't really know where you sit. There's no live scoring or anything like that. Um, but there, every three holes, just like with the rest of our college events, you'd report your score to score to a score. Mm. So my dad's at home watching this on uh, his phone and some of it was actually televised. Um, so you could see it after. Oh, nice. Not live. Obviously yeah. you couldn't see me hitting out of the bush live, but uh, <laughs> he could watch it after. Um, but he was online basically seeing the three holes kind of put up and, um, you can kind of see the scores come through and he was watching. We couldn't see anything. So when we finished around, we had our scorecards in. we have no idea whether or not we've made it or not made it, mm. but everyone else that had this magical link they could watch knew. Um, so we found out afterwards that I had made it high enough that I was going to get my card. Um, and I remember like they threw like a little party for me or whatever on my birthday where I didn't even know my certificate had come in the mail. They just kept it. Uh, and gave it to me and stuff like that. And, uh, so I still have it at home. It's like just not anything different with the PGA. Like they still give you, uh, stuff for, for joining and everything like that. But it was just very classy the way I got to do my PAT and the way I got the, the information given to me that I had passed and everything like that. So, uh, I had to transition that into the PGA of Canada when I came to work. Um, basically just had to show proof of that, that I already had my card in the U S and then I was able to, to get it in Canada as well. So I didn't have to do a Canadian PAT or show them the certificate. Yeah. Just a little screenshot and then send it in. Nice. So you've made it on Canva. Yeah. 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 I was just going to say, maybe, maybe we can scan one of those and doctor it up on Canva. No free ads. That's awesome. Yeah, the the one uh, the big event here, and I I looked. I hope I wrote it down correctly. The Centerport Canada Rail Park Manitoba Open. It is a PGA Tour Canada event that comes here. And having attended it last year, it seems like you, Steve, and everyone here just long days. And even talking to Dustin, how the superintendent here on the show last season, 
I guess, is that just a week where you book off and you're like, okay, I'm not really going to see my family. It's just going to be dusk till dawn, even before dusk that I'm going to be out here. Yeah. For us, uh, that week, like historically in the past has been, we're basically a retail facility. We get up, we get here Mm -hmm. really early in the morning. We pull out all the, uh, host carts and all the rules, official carts and stuff like that, get those set up and ready to go for the day. And then we're basically just a retail shop. We're just there to anyone that wants to come in and we can trick into buying something. We're going to get them to buy something. Um, (laughs) Influence. Yeah. Influence. There you go. Convince. Um, so we just try to get people in the door to buy stuff. And, uh, uh, when Southwood took on the operations of that tournament mm-hmm. last year, um, things were a little different and we were a little bit more involved, but, uh, last year we had, uh, a little bigger of a role, like Andrew and myself were doing a lot with food and beverage and running the eighth hole, bringing mm-hmm. beer out there, uh, quite frequently. Hallelujah. Yeah. So we were, we were bringing, uh, bringing booze back and forth to <laughs> both the hot, both the hospitality tents and then the eighth hole. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were a little bit more involved in, in that sense. Um, but every year it's just, it's part of our job. We're, we're here long hours anyway. Uh, my wife works in the industry too. She's not, uh, on the golf side, but she works at St. Boniface as a banquets director. So she's got long hours too. So she, she gets it. She understands. And, uh, our goal this year, both Andrew and myself is to be able to watch more golf for that event. Um, but we're basically here for anything that has to happen during the, the event, whether it's hosting the, the pro-ams or doing scoring and stuff like that for those events. And then once the actual event takes place, they have their own staff that comes in that takes care of everything. So we're basically just there if, uh, if there's anything that Southwood needs help actually operating that event. Oh, interesting. Maybe, maybe getting some of the 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 players' haircut on the patio. Yeah, that's was a that big you thing. or are you at no. stepping in as a barber? De- definitely not. Unless everyone wants just one simple height and it's all going to look the same, then maybe we'll get a little tip jar going. But uh, definitely, definitely not talented in that respect. I think it was Braxton. Uh, who we had on last season, and he—I think he actually got his haircut on, yeah, I think on he the patio. That, yeah. There was a lot of people that did. Like, there's a lot of players that we talked to, and um, they're just—they get to come. They have the massage ability. They have the the food that's always available to them. Um, the the host uh, team, I guess you could say, that is involved. Some Southwood members and some volunteers do an amazing job of making sure that every, every I is dotted and T is crossed that the players can get basically whatever they need, whether it's transportation back and forth to the hotel or anything like that. Um, the ability to get the haircuts uh, is an awesome one. And, mm-hmm. um, we noticed like recent years, uh, the first couple of times I've been around that event, like guys sleeping in cars and stuff, it's not happening a lot anymore. Um, mm-hmm. there's either some more money being put out into the, uh, event right. and, uh, more guys are making checks or they just have bigger their parents have bigger pockets. I'm not quite sure how that worked out, but yeah, there's a lot less guys sleeping in cars. So anything we can do to help keep the cost down for those guys is always a positive. Nice. And I saw in the release that PGA tour Canada and was it PGA, the Latin American tour, they're going to be combining. Yeah. It sounds like they're going to do six events in each um, Mm -hmm. area. So it'll be PGA North America and PGA Latin America are going to combine to have one kind of souped up tour, I guess. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think the number was six, six in each uh, area. And uh, I guess the idea is to just try to bring some of the competitiveness together because there's lots of players that will try to compete in both. Um, And now you're going to kind of bring it all together and you're going to have the best from both competing every week. So kind of bring the competitiveness up a bit. So that's, I believe next season is going to happen. So the competition here, if Southwood does end up hosting, it's going to be great for the Manitoba Open. Then yeah, I don't year. know it how it works. It feels good to watch. I mean, it's incredible the way yeah. these guys play. I mean, they're pros. 
And the eighth yeah. hole certainly helps. Yeah, it's awesome. Like whenever people make I guess comments. It's tournament seventeen, right? Tournament yeah. seventeen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's always funny. People comment about like the playing abilities, and we're always very, very assertive that they are professional golfers and we are golf professionals. <laughs> there is not a direct correlation to their abilities and our abilities, mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah, and the and the practice part of it is like I haven't hit a golf ball since I had a lesson at five o'clock that I hit two seven irons during, um, but other than that, I hadn't hit one since Saturday. So oh, wow. <laughs> like, it don't it's not like I'm out practicing or playing every day. So. Hmm. All right, Mike, did you have any more? Do you want to jump into the back nine? Well, I wanted to get into the uh, sponsor exemption oh, okay. yeah, for the Centerport Canada very Rail nice. Park Manitoba Open. Mr. Blake Wheeler, very exciting. And, and I had the opportunity to meet Mr. Wheeler and give him an 18 over par hat. So my assumption is he will be wearing that hat at the uh, Manitoba Open. <laughs> Maybe you can caddy for him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll just show up there. I'll be the, yeah. We're always, looking, the always the looking for caddies, so yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, well, I'm hoping to do that too. We'll see. We might might take that week off because it looks like a lot of fun. Yeah, there's uh, one of our members, uh, Gord Hudson, over the last few years has always kind of ran that that department, and uh, I believe someone else is taking over it this year. But um, just the the amount of players that just need someone to carry a bag is is uh, like. I was amazed the first year that I heard, like I always just thought like for myself, for me, whenever I went and played in an event, uh, the couple that I played in, I just had a buddy that went with me, um, or the, the same guy that's kind of watched me play junior golf and stuff like that, that, uh, kind of carries my clubs and keeps me level headed. So mm. I don't uh, break anything, but, yeah. um, these guys just, they just travel. They don't have a caddy with them. They just need someone that can carry that bag and can hang out for, for 18 holes and maybe chat with them a little bit, but they don't need anything special. So just need a guy to carry the clubs. That would be go. a cool experience. You can't maybe, use a push cart though. Maybe, uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe a walk wants to caddy, oh, carry, gosh. carry that bag. <laughs> I'm broken back. <laughs> hey, if Blake Wheeler though wants uh, one of us to do it, especially you, Mike, you've already met him. Yeah. Greased him with well, that. I'm going to try and get there. Somebody just booked their bachelor party for that, for that weekend. Unfortunately, uh, you know who you come are. For the, come for the Thursday, Friday. Uh, yeah, well, let's get into it then. <laughs> All right, we'll get into the back nine lightning round. And it's for Bryce Malachewski, who is an investment advisor with Endeavor Wealth Management, part of IA Private Wealth, and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund. You can contact Bryce at 204-515-3446. Yeah. Hopefully we see Bryce soon. Hopefully Man, we, we got to play Bryce some golf. Soon. I think he's still alive. I do believe so. He's probably very busy with all the market fluctuations oh, yes. and whatever else. Uh Mr. Baldwin, you got a nickname? Uh, yeah, this most of the time is just Baldy. Um, my coach used to call me Double B in uh, in college as well, but mm-hmm. yeah, for the most part, just Baldy. Not B squared. No, nothing, uh, nothing creative that way. Just, or triple Bs. Yeah, t- take a couple <laughs> double B couple letters off my last name. And <laughs> what's your middle name? Uh, David Ronald. David Ronald. Yeah. B D R B. Yeah. Oh, B- <laughs> instead of B R B. Yeah. B D R B. I don't know. I'm trying Anyways. to think of something to come yeah. up. Yeah. Oh, that's proceed. Uh, we'll proceed. Uh, have you ever got a hole in one? Uh, I have not. Um, I have had a few albatrosses uh, in high Ooh. school um, oh. and, a, and a couple in college that were, the high school ones were kind of fake because they're at south side on that tiny little par five. So oh, okay. it kind of counts, but kind of <laughs> doesn't. And then uh, college, I had a couple that uh, one I got to see go in, one I didn't. Um, and then I kind of have a fake 
in theory, hole in one. Um, I hit on a par three, I hit one out of bounds and ended up having to re tee and was pissed off. Basically just hit it threw my club back in my bag and started walking and looked like an idiot. Cause I was walking around everywhere on the green and now even more pissed off that I've got to walk back to the tee and, uh, three uh three of my teammates were standing there behind the green and none of them said anything they were just <laughs> just waiting for me to kind of clue in and uh I remember going my bag grabbing the ball and starting to walk back up the fairway um I didn't even spend time to look like I just basically checked the both bunkers checked the back of the green and then started walking and I can hear them laughing and uh I just turned around and they're like pointing towards the cup and so I walked up and it was technically par but I only hit it once I guess twice, but that's still a, that's yeah. pretty call cool. that a hole in one. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, uh, not it's counting. almost a you're better not a one. You're not putting a one on the card. I guess yeah. No. If it was a three. Yeah. Yeah. Still a pretty good but. story. Yeah. Yeah. It was just it's kind of like no the, anything. it's like if you got a hole in one by, uh, and there's no one around and you're by yourself. And then the next worst thing is getting a hole in one on like a, a re tee where your buddy yeah. gets the mulligan and <laughs> yeah, you're having to write down three. Uh, well, yeah, you've kind of bounced around as far as brand loyalty. Do you, what would be your preferred golf ball brand or model? Yeah. Right so now? right now, uh, I'm playing the TP five X. Um, I love the picks for, for putting. It's a really good aid in that sense. Um, but I play with uh, just the regular TP five X. You go with the standard triangle logo or are you, yeah, I haven't got any creative, uh, juice is mm. flowing yet to, to pick what I want else on there, but yeah, yeah I've just done the regular Southwood picks. tree logo or mm. uh, 18 over par. I think so. <laughs> just maybe our faces. <laughs> uh, well, uh, what would be your favorite course to play in Manitoba? Um, without being biased, like I do truly like to play, to play Southwood, but uh, for myself, I still uh, really like getting out to play Elmhurst. Elmhurst is definitely one of my favorite courses to go and, and play. Just the, the play around the greens and hitting it to the right spot and stuff like that just reminds me a lot of the, the golf I played in college. And mm-hmm. um, most of the courses we played were very much similar, just a smaller private course that had lots of trees and tough greens. Um, so I do I do like playing Elmhurst a lot. Shout out to Elmhurst. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You got a bucket list course in Manitoba that you've never played but you're you're wanting to get out to yeah. So I think it's pretty frequent with everyone else. But Oak Island has been oh, yeah. something we've we've tried a couple of times. Uh, we do an event every year with a bunch of buddies where we go and play uh, in an event, and um, we basically just all get together, play 36 holes one day, 36 holes the next day, um, and uh, it's it'd be fun to go to Oak Island where we can get a way to do that. But it's just trying to get everyone together for that length mm-hmm. of time makes it difficult. And mm-hmm. we usually wait really last minute and then it's all booked <laughs> up. So, <laughs> yep. I feel like, and we haven't even li- waited last minute yet. And our summers are already like yeah, booked up with, mm-hmm. yeah. with stuff. Cause we are very popular. We <laughs> a lot of people want to play golf with us Yeah, and take us to their bachelor parties <laughs> <laughs> and take our money on the golf course. <laughs> our podcasting money. Um, <laughs> What would be the most memorable course uh, that you've ever played, in your opinion? Um, so I have two, I guess. I got to play uh, TPC Sawgrass while I was in college. Um, cool. So that was fun. I have a, mm-hmm. a video of me hitting a really, really fat wedge on 17. Like, <laughs> my club actually stops in the ground before it gets going. I did hit the green. It was just short. Um, didn't get in the water. But uh, And then... Uh, 
I got to also play Whistling Straits with uh, my dad. So that was pretty oh, wow. sentimental to be able to play with him. And uh, we had a caddy and everything. So nice. it was the full experience. And yeah, that was a lot of fun. Did you beat him? Uh, I did. Yes. He, <laughs> uh, he is an avid golfer himself. He, uh, he can put a, put a round together pretty well, but I, uh, I was successful that day. <laughs> that's, that's pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How do you get on there? Is that a, you, uh, is it hard so to get we were, on? We were lucky. He had, uh, basically one of his suppliers through his business. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a facility, uh, right by the golf course and they have like a packaging facility. And we basically went and toured the facility for one day. And, um, then they were there for an entire, I think four days. And I just basically drove up, um, from Chicago and it was nice. in like super easy for me to get there. It's only a couple hours away. So drove up there, um, spent a day with them, had to kind of walk around and look at stuff, pretended I enjoyed looking at it, uh, and then got to play golf. So <laughs> nice. it was, a it worth was a it. Fun wow. couple days. And then I had to drive back to school and yeah, he got to spend a little more time there and then they flew home. So well, that's good. Yeah. That's good. Speaking of HVAC, uh, JR done some HVAC work here. Yes. If you knew that mm. when he was on the Sims, some remodeling, <laughs> he did some, uh, some tin bashing. Yeah. I would yeah. say you're not the only one. Cause there is a dent there for myself and from Andrew. So well, we were looking at it before Mike and I'm like, did they move the HVAC now? Because it's like, how the hell did I hit this thing? <laughs> yeah. It sneaks up on you. There's <laughs> it sneaks yeah. up on you. Yeah. Yeah. Gremlins. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, shout out to Callaway. And their and demo clubs, demo <laughs> sale on now. That's yeah. right. And the uh, HVAC company. <laughs> yes. Um, what would be the number one golf course on your bucket list? Um, I think it's kind of irrelevant to say Augusta, but mm-hmm. yeah. um, for me, honestly, it'd be fun um, just to go back and uh, play somewhere with like my dad and grandfather again. Like even if it was just Whistling Straits, just get out and do something very similar to that. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, just somewhere, it doesn't have to be crazy pristine, but just somewhere that has some history and mm-hmm. get out to experience that. So I would say going back to Whistling Straits would be really fun. Yeah. It was just fun, like where you land your ball and like watching it roll up and stuff. My grandfather, it's like a hundred yards, 10 feet off the ground. So um, his ball would roll forever. So nice. it would be, uh, <laughs> yeah, that'd be a good experience. Like sentimental wise, that would be yeah. good. And then it's uh, not the course, it's the people you're yeah. with. Mm, yeah. There you go. Wow. It could be good or bad, I guess, <laughs> however you look at it. Um, but yeah, wow, if I okay. had to had to pick a course to actually like go and play just for the ability of playing it, uh, I'd really love to just uh, go down and spend some time at like Cabot and play mm-hmm. a couple oh, courses yeah. there and enjoy that par three just as everyone else has seen the videos and uh, playing at, at night with the lights on. That seems like a really cool experience. So I didn't see that video, so I'll yeah. have to look that up. There's like, a, I guess, a par three course that has lights. Wow. And you basically just play in the dark and, and experience There's not much that. to do cool. else yeah. like out there, right? You're pretty much, and, yeah. Mm, it's golf. Yeah. Right. So that might be Southwood 2026. Maybe we'll have a par three course of the bar and some dark lights and put them out there and well, we'll we just have, be here the whole have, time. We have the space. So yeah, we'll, we'll live here. Yeah. You can talk to Dustin about that one, try to push that through. Maybe you can cut a couple of trees down into a par three. <laughs> I like it. Sounds good. I'll be there for that. Mm-hmm. I'll start saving. Uh, what is your career low round and, and where, and, and maybe not even ha- and it doesn't even have to be a competition round, but, um, so my competition wise would be like the, um, piston ring pro I'm last year at NACWA. I was 68. Wow. Um, nice. so that was a 
very torrential, rainy, cold day, but uh, played well. Um, and then career actual low, just out for fun, was 64 at Granite. So nice. Tough course to do that on, but I guess home course advantage almost. Yeah, right? I, like, I played a lot more golf there than I did yeah. here, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I played probably almost every day after work for at least uh, at least 12 holes, depending on uh, how dark it got, because I wow. could just basically sneak home after 12. So, <laughs> What a life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, my wild card here, I kind of have two, but uh, from the from the YouTube videos that I was looking at, and probably some of your social media stuff, you you had the trick shots down where you're oh, yeah. you're hitting it with the wedge, the Nike commercial, and you hit it out of <laughs> midair there. Yeah, so that was. Uh, it was actually something I had to do for school. Oh. Um, so we had to pick basically an ad to recreate. And I was mm. like looking at these like boring car ads. And then um, our group wanted to do like one of those lawyer things where you get in a car wreck and <laughs> oh. <laughs> whatever, need a check or whatever, yeah. get in a car wreck. So we were going back and forth. And then that was right around the same time where those commercials came out. And I was like, well, this would be fun. Like we could do this. Like no one else is going to be able to duplicate anything like this. Uh, that was not the first try. That took, uh, took a couple mm. takes. Um, but yeah. That was just kind of some messing around and I had to just submit it for a project. So it was yeah. good. Yeah. I think it went off the, the face of the club a few times and you, you put it off your foot. Yeah. And, and then, then there's another one where I hit it like the behind the wall. I like threw a ball off the wall and bounced it and then hit it. I'll have to watch there was a lot of like my coach's eyes would get big all the time. We were just, we'd be get bored. We'd be out there in the winter yeah. and nothing to do. So we'd hit some balls and then start messing around nowhere near, uh, the level of Mr. Kersiba, but uh, <laughs> some goofing around. Shout out to Sandy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll have to get out to see one of his shows this year. I imagine he'll be, uh, entertaining the folks over at Glendale. Mm hmm. I think he has been already. Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah. The skates are on. Yeah, aeration sure. season. <laughs> <laughs> it's a verticut, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Better, yeah. It allows more oxygen into the turf. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then... Wildcard B, you mentioned you were a, are you a volunteer firefighter? I am, yeah. So I'm with uh, the Reshot Fire Department in St. Adolf, Ildeshane, and St. Yath. So I've done that for, geez, I guess eight years now. Cool. So, mm. yeah. Okay. Are you on call, you know, different days or you answer um, whatever call you're available to answer? Yeah, kind of how it works is we have a paging system. So we'll get paged out to, to calls. And if we're available to, to respond, we respond. Um, we are lucky enough for an apartment that we don't have to respond in our own personal vehicles like a lot of other volunteer departments mm. where some guys take a truck, other guys just go in their personal vehicle. We have enough uh, apparatus that we're able to all respond basically with an apparatus. So we'll basically respond to the hall, either go in a pump, uh, a rescue, or a, or a pickup, and and go out to a call. Get the helicopter going. Yeah, we don't have the funding for that yet. <laughs> no, but, not uh, yet. Yeah, <laughs> Stars just got a new one, so maybe we can buy their old one. <laughs> uh, our flagship question of the back nine lightning round: What is your favorite condiment? Um. That's actually a tough one. I've listened to so many of these and everyone's always <laughs> like, oh, but uh, I would say lately I'm a big uh, sriracha fan. Nice. Um, I never was a huge like hot sauce person. I always found mm -hmm. it like too acidy, but mm. sriracha has the right, right texture, I guess you could say. So mm. yeah, sriracha, I would say. Well, I like that. 
That is spicy. Yeah, it there's is. A, there's a big heat. And it adds a little bit of tang to everything, too. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, you can at least taste it. Sometimes well, and you, you put can stuff like, on it, and you're like, well, yeah. I put ketchup on this, but I can't really taste it. Yeah, and you can kind of choose how much you want to put it into. Like, you don't have to. The hot sauce kind of comes out fast. Or sriracha is like a little, mm. little glob, kind of, if you keep it in the fridge. So, yeah, it's nice to mix in with rice and stuff like that. So... It is. Yeah. I eat lots of salads, as you can see by my figure, but yeah, I can't put sriracha on a salad. So, (laughs) sure you you can. Yeah. You can do anything. Thai salad. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We can find ways here. We can figure that out. Well, that was it. That was the back nine lightning round for Bryce Malachewski, who is investment advisor with Endeavor Wealth Management, part of IA Private Wealth, and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund. You can contact Bryce 204 515 3446. You can also uh, find him in our link tree. We got a link directly to him in our link tree. Just go to our bio and our social medias and away you go. Baldy, this was awesome. We really appreciate it. I'm sure we probably could go for another hour more, but you're a family man. Got to get back to that family. Mike and I got to pack up and maybe take a few putts on the green there. So we really <laughs> play, appreciate Yeah, you Play some night, po- night night golf. golf. Yeah, we'll, night we'll golf. go knock on Dustin Howe's door there, say put up the lights Get and lights chop going. down some trees and let's go <laughs> right now. <laughs> Saw the green and we're going to play. But uh, we really appreciate you taking the time uh, to, for doing this with us. And uh, yeah, have yourself a wonderful evening. Thanks awesome. so much. Yeah, thanks for everything you guys are doing for the game and hmm. for the invite. And thanks to Southwood for the beer and for the hospitality and the sunscreen and this <laughs> of course another time all right good night bye 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 and you can count on me waiting for you in the parking lot